good. Oh, it's fun. So good to be able to baptize those guys. And if that has kind of sparked anything within you, if you've not been baptized and you're thinking, oh, maybe I need to take that next step of faith, then please do come and speak to me or Ruth or one of the other leaders and let us know. We would absolutely love to take you on that journey. It's been amazing to walk with uh, those four guys over the past few weeks, just doing a baptism course and looking at the foundations of our faith and, and all of that stuff. It's been brilliant. So it will be our privilege to, to walk through that with anyone else who is interested in taking that next step of faith. Amazing. Well, I'm going to bring to you just a short word this morning um, under the subject, made new. Everyone say made new. You're awake. Good. Okay, I'm going to read to you a portion of scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 14. It says, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So I thought that Baptism Sunday would be a great opportunity to talk about this idea, this theme of being made new. And actually, it's the beginning of a journey. It's the, it's the beginning of a lifelong process. And, and on that process, we go through phases. We go through different phases. And I don't know about you, but I have been through a whole load of phases in my life. I went through a Warhammer phase I went through a Spice Girl phase. I'll let you decide which one was my favorite. Had a poster on my wall and everything. For a very small period, I went through a rap phase. So we go through all these phases, don't we, in our lives. In fact, I remember in high school, uh, early high school, I was maybe kind of 13, 14, and my best friend at the time, he was called Hairspray because he had a massive quiff, and he was a rollerblader. And as my best friend, I thought, well, okay, I better take up rollerblading. So I think I asked for some rollerblades for my birthday, Bauer FX1s. They were super cool. So I got these rollerblades, and every Saturday, we would, I would get the bus into St. Anne's. There was a skate shop. I don't know if anyone remembers it. It was called The Grind. So I used to go to The Grind every Saturday, and they had like a, a back area behind the store with sofas, and we would play videotapes of skateboarders. And so we would watch all of this, and we would hang out there for a bit, then we'd go for a skate, then we'd come back and hang out, and then we'd go for a skate, and then come back and hang out, maybe get a pie, and then we'd go out for a skate again. And every Saturday, without fail, we would go to hang out in St. Anne's and have a skate. And then one summer, 
I remember Hespray went off to Cornwall for a family holiday and he came back a skateboarder. So I hung up my rollerblades <laughs> like a fickle teenager and got myself a skateboard. And so this began my skateboarding phase. And every Saturday we would do exactly the same thing, just a different set of wheels now. So we were doing exactly the same thing. And in reality, I was never particularly good at any one of them. So those phases quickly died out and I moved on to new phases in my life. And I don't know if uh, sixth form or college was anything like this for you, but I'd sit in the common room and you'd look around at the different social groups in the room. And so you've got the sporty kids and you've got the clever kids and you've got the fashionable kids. And then over in the far corner in my sixth form common room was my tribe, the moshers. <laughs> and thus began my emo phase. And that came with all kinds of things, the music, the baggy jeans, studded belts, spiky chains, concerts, a, a number of devastating hair-dyeing experiments, all kinds of things. And, you know, there are some phases that die out and there are some phases that we cling on to for dear life. I am still an emo. I will carry that until I die. But we all go through these phases in our life, don't we? And, and sometimes we look at our kids and if we're concerned about some of their behaviours, we just kind of say, oh, don't worry, it's just a phase. And we expect for them to kind of grow out of it and for them to move on. But maybe if you kind of plot your life from childhood to now, how many different phases have you gone through? How many things have, have kind of been left by the wayside and how many things have you carried with you on your journey? Because we all change, don't we? And change is good. Sometimes we don't like change. It feels a bit uncomfortable, but change is good. But change is something we do. Transformation is something we become. Change is something we do. Transformation is something we become. And you know, transformation is not just changing our attire. It's not just changing our music tastes. It's not just changing how we look on the outside but when you encounter Jesus Christ and you encounter his love, you become a new creation. From the inside out, you are transformed into something new. And that's transformation. It's becoming the real you. It's becoming the you that God designed you to be. And so let's just look at how our scripture from this morning begins. It says, Christ's love controls us. Christ's love controls us. And that's such an important part of our transformation because whatever it is that you're full of, you will be controlled by. Whatever it is that you're full of, you'll be controlled by. So if you're full of greed, then that's what you'll be controlled by. If you're full of anger and hatred and bitterness, that's what you will be controlled by. But if you're full of God's love, then that's what you'll be controlled by. That's what will dictate your actions and your behaviours. And we love because Christ first loved us. So I don't know about you, but I want to be filled with God's love so that that's what controls me and nothing else, that that's what controls me. And Paul's writing here, it begins with God's love and then it works through the different phases of what our transformation looks like. So I'm just going to spend a few moments and look at the four phases that I've pulled out of this scripture. And the first phase is the encounter phase. 
the encounter phase. And all four of our baptism candidates this morning have experienced an encounter with the living God. They've experienced a personal revelation, an encounter with Jesus that brought them to this moment of baptism. And that's what we need in order to be transformed into becoming more like Christ. We have to have an encounter with Jesus. We've got to have an encounter with Jesus. You know, the greatest pursuit of your life is simply to know Jesus. The greatest pursuit of your life is simply to know Jesus. And to know him is to become like him. To know him is to become like him. And it says in verse 16, the beginning of verse 16, so we stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. And that's what will begin to happen as we encounter God, that actually we begin on this transformation journey and we begin to look at other people, at those people around us, not from a human perspective, but from a heavenly perspective. And so where perhaps one time we see someone who is filled with hatred or, or anger, well then actually God gives us his heavenly eyes and we begin to see someone who is perhaps hurting and broken. And so maybe we can begin to speak into their life, pray for them, stand with them. We begin to see people through a heavenly perspective. And then as we continue on in that verse, at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. How differently we know him now because of an encounter with Jesus. Not Jesus the man, but Jesus who is God, we begin to see things differently. We begin to see him differently. You know, perhaps if you're reading the Bible for the first time, you might read this word and think, but God is this angry, hateful, vengeful God who demands so much of us. But actually, when we have an encounter with Jesus, when we encounter Jesus, we begin to see him differently. We begin, to, we begin to see him who he is today, a loving, caring, gracious father. Because of an encounter with Jesus, we begin to see things differently. And, and moving through this verse, in this chapter, into verse 17, it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone, the new life has begun. When we encounter Jesus, look at what happens. We become made new. Everyone say made new. Right now, in 2022, in this age that we live in, we live in a world where everyone knows about each other. We all know about each other, but do we really know each other? Do we really know each other? I caught up with some friends uh, towards the start of the year, some of whom I'd not seen for months. And so, you know, we were sharing a meal together and hanging out and we began to kind of tell some kind of life updates and share what had been going on in our lives. And what we found was that actually we kind of knew it all already through the wonder of Facebook. And so we sat around just kind of sharing this meal and sharing these updates. And it was like, oh, my kid just had a birthday. And I'm like, yeah, I saw that. I've just moved house. Yeah, it looks amazing, doesn't it? I've already seen it. All these kind of life updates. I've been on holiday to say, oh yeah, you went there, didn't you? I saw that. It looked incredible. We knew everything already because we know, uh, we know about people, but do we really know them? 
Do we really know them? Just because you have information doesn't mean it will lead to transformation. Just because we've got information, it doesn't mean it will lead to transformation. Because we can accumulate information about Jesus. We can read through this book and we can learn about the person of Jesus. But if you want to get transformation, you've got to get to know Jesus. Not just know about him. You've got to get to know him. We've got to spend time with him. We've got to get vulnerable and honest with him. And it's then that you'll begin to see him differently. You'll begin to see him with those heavenly eyes, that heavenly perspective. Because there's always something new to learn about God, isn't there? He is so massive. He is so incomprehensively ginormous that actually we will never know everything that there is to know about God this side of eternity. And so there's always something new to discover. And so we've got to spend time with him so that we can get to know him better. Like I said before, to know him is to become like him. It's this lifelong process. It's a phase, but it's not a phase that we grow out of. It's not a phase that we move on from. It's not a phase that we graduate. It's a phase that goes on and on and on. It's like this love relationship. You know, Ruth and I fell in love 18 years ago. I was 20 when that happened. And I think that we are very different people now than we were back then. Back then, I was very much in the throes of my emo phase, very much so. And I dragged Ruth in there with me, and she had the black dyed hair and short cut, and it was amazing. And those were the good old days. <laughs> but, you know, I would suggest that the reality is that we have fallen in love with each other multiple times because of the different phases of our life that we have gone through. And so each time we change and we become something new, we fall in love again with the kind of older, more mature, or at least grayer versions of ourselves. We fall in love with each other once Again, and I think that's very much like our relationship with God because as we learn more about him, we can fall in love with him all over again because we get in this fresh revelation of who he is, of the person of Jesus Christ. And this process, this, this phase, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes energy. It takes sacrifice in order to work through this process. And so for this transformation of being made new, the first phase is encounter. And the second phase is establish. Establish means to found, institute, build, or bring into being on a firm or stable basis. To bring something about permanently. And it says in verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone the new life has begun. And that's so important because it shows us that the, the outcome of our salvation is not an improved life. It's establishing a new life. Establishing a new life. The old is gone. The new life has begun. And we go through many different phases in life. But maybe just look at what is different in your life now. You know Jesus. 
What is different in your, what has changed in your life because of your relationship with Jesus? Because he didn't die on the cross to get you to heaven. It's so much more than that. He didn't die on the cross to get you to heaven. He died on the cross and he rose three days later so that you can bring heaven down to earth. And this transformation, this, this thing we're talking about, being made new, it's, it's not an automatic transaction. You've got to put the work in. You've got to put the time and the effort in because to be in an authentic relationship with Jesus you have to establish something in him. You've got to establish something in him. And for me, the greatest example that Jesus let, left for us when you read through the Jesus story is community. I don't know if you've seen it, if you've noticed it, but everywhere Jesus went, he had people gather around him. He created community. And the, those closest to him, those known as his disciples, they, yeah, they followed him and they were taught by him and they were led by him, but they did life together in community. They had this relationship with one another. And that's something we need to establish in our lives in order to go on this transformative journey, in order to be made new. We've got to gather around us community and it's why we put so much emphasis in church on life groups because life groups is where community happens it's where the Sunday mask comes off and we begin to get real with one another we can begin to get a bit vulnerable with one another and it might take time it's not meeting one okay let me pour my heart out to you but over time as you build this sense of community you get you gather around you like-minded people who you can see care for you and love you and are willing to support and pray for you that is what we need it says as iron sharpens iron so we sharpen each other and through that through community we can become more like Jesus and you know, it's in community where actually we can establish sound doctrine. And doctrine is not a complicated word. It's just the why behind the what. It's the root of our behavior because our beliefs determine our behavior. And so we need to understand what we really believe. And in community, it's a safe place for us to discuss what it is that we believe and why it is that we believe it. And our belief is the root of our behavior. And where does our doctrine come, come from? It comes from the word of God. Our doctrine comes from the word of God because God words, God's word is true. And this process, this transformation of being made new is God's truth becoming my truth. It's God's truth becoming my truth. And so we go through the encounter phase, we go through the establish phase, and then we come to the equip Phase, And this is about getting the tools that we need for the mission that's in front of us. Getting the tools that we need for what it is that God is calling us to. And it says in verse 18 and 19, And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us a task, a task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. You know, God has for us 
a purpose for each and every one of us. And he's got this, this general purpose, this purpose that is for all of us, and it's broken down in this verse, that our goal, our mission, our purpose, all of us who call ourselves believers in Christ, is to reconcile people who are far from God back into relationship with him. That is everyone who calls himself a follower of Jesus, everyone who is on this journey of faith, that is our calling. That is our mission. That is the challenge for our lives. And then he's got a unique purpose. And essentially, that is the, the unique way that you carry out that mission. Because God has given us different gifts and different skills and different passions and different abilities, all for the purpose of carrying out this general mission of reconciling people back into relationship with him. So what has God given you? What gifts has God given you? What passions has God given to you? Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, Do not neglect the gift which has given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers, and your hearers. He's saying, don't neglect what it is that God has given to you. Don't neglect the thing that God has put in your hand, because God hasn't made you one way to use you another way. He's not made you one way to use you another way. You have value. Let me speak that over you this morning if you are in any doubt. You have value. You have worth. Don't ever deny that because to deny that you have worth is to, is to deny that God made you, is to suggest that God made a mistake when he made you. And let me tell you this, God doesn't make mistakes. And so he made you in a particular way so that you can use your gifts and your skills and your passions for this common goal of reconciling people, bringing people back into relationship with him. So ask yourself, what's in your hand? What has he equipped you with? What are your skills and your passions and your gifts? So we go through the encounter phase, we go through the establish phase, we go through the equip phase, and then our final phase is the empower phase. The empower phase. It says in verse 21, 20 to 21, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And this word ambassador, it's a permanent representative in a foreign land. A permanent representative in a foreign land. And we, as believers of Christ, are heavenly ambassadors in this foreign earthly land. Because this is not our home. This is just where we are for now. And so God calls us his ambassadors. He calls us his ambassadors. Another translation says, He who knew no sin became sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. 
Jesus became sin so that you can become righteous. And so God wants to empower you. God wants to empower you, not just with the title of ambassador, but with heavenly power. With heavenly power. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. That same power that you encountered in the beginning is the same power that establishes something in you. And it's the same power that will equip you with everything that you need to fulfill your purpose here on earth. And it's that same power that will empower you to keep going, to keep pushing in, to keep carrying out God's mission for your life, to keep you growing and to keep you becoming the men and women that God has called you and designed you to be. You know, I often get kind of a thing pop in my mind of that scene in Spider-Man where Uncle Ben says to Peter Parker, with great power comes great responsibility. And, and the Bible tells us that we will receive power from on high, heavenly power. And that is great power. That is not just kind of low-level, minimal power. It is massive power. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us when we call Christ our Lord and with great power comes great responsibility. And our responsibility is to use that power, to use what God has given us to reconcile people who are far from God back into relationship with him. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to be his witnesses, telling people about Jesus everywhere, in Lytham, throughout Lancashire, in our nation, and even to the ends of the earth, to reconcile people to God in the unique way that he created us. We are being made new. We are being made new through the transformative power of our Heavenly Father. Amen. Why don't we pray? So Father God, I just thank you that, that you take us on this journey, that you take us on this process. And firstly, I want to thank you that you call us to yourselves, that you are calling us, you are beckoning us, you are saying, come back to me. And God, I pray that if there is anyone here this morning that that doesn't know you, that hasn't made that commitment, that hasn't uh, accepted that invitation into relationship with you, that right now in this moment they would say, yeah, I accept it. I accept it. Or for anyone who has maybe for whatever reason drifted away from you over time, that maybe right now they would hear that kind of prompting of the Holy Spirit saying, come back to me. Come back to me. And as soon as he catches a glimpse of you coming back to him or turning to him for the first time, he runs towards you. He runs towards you with arms open wide and embraces you with his grace and with his love. And so if that resonates with you right now, why don't you just pray this prayer with me? I'm just going to say a line and you can pray it in your heart and we'll go through this prayer together. It goes like this. Heavenly Father, 
I thank you that you are calling me home. I hear your call and I accept it. God, I'm sorry that I have messed up. I'm sorry that I have done wrong. And I ask now for your forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness in Jesus' name. I pray right now that your Holy Spirit come and empower me to live in relationship with you from this moment forward. <laughs>